Welcome to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show. Mike is one of the nation's top realtors and is highly regarded as an authority in residential real estate sales. Mike Bell has nothing to sell but great wisdom. You're going to love this show. Now, here's Mike Bell. Welcome. You're tuning into the Mike Bell Real Estate Show, the most important hour of radio every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Thank you for joining me. This show is dedicated to delivering timely, balanced truths about residential real estate in an effort to help you. My goal is to educate you, empower you, and engage you so you can make informed decisions to protect, enhance, and smartly manage your investment, your house. Key operative words here are protect, and we'll be talking about that. Now, my, my name is Mike Bell. I'm a broker with Keller Williams here in Pasadena. I sell a lot of homes. You can email me your questions at mikebell at kw.com. Again, that's mikebell at kw.com. You can also call us live at 888-GO-FOR-IT, 888-463-6748. Again, 888-463-6748. And I'm going to give you my personal cell phone number. And save it in your contacts. My personal cell phone number is 888-401-1555. Again, 888-401-1555. And we'll be answering your emails a little later in the show. Today we have a fascinating program. We have attorney Joseph Chora from the law office of Paul Young here in Pasadena. They are what called what is called a judgment enforcement law firm. Wow. Hello, Joseph. Hi, Mike. Uh, good to be here. Thanks for coming. This is going to be great. So we're going to be talking about, uh, well, your practice is in the area of judgment enforcement, asset location, creditor rights, uh, general investigation. And uh, both you and Paul Young, you're both attorneys, and you're also private investigators. That's right. Um, before we go forward, I would like you to let everybody know how to reach you. Sure. Um, my name is Joseph Chora, and uh, as Mike said, I'm an attorney and a private investigator. I can be reached at area code 626-744-1838. Again, that's 626-744-1838. And we're here in Pasadena. Our website is lawofficeofpauyoung.com. And uh, my email address is joseph, J-O-S-E-P-H, at paulyounglaw, just the way it sounds, dot com. So we're going to be talking about judgment enforcement and how does it relate to real estate. And we'll be certainly talking about the best and worst things you can do if you're on either side of this situation. But let's get right into it. What is a judgment? Well, a judgment, Mike, is the end of a lawsuit. Everybody's familiar with uh, two parties. They have a disagreement. One sues the other. When it's all said and done, um, if the, the lawsuit goes all the way through, there's a judgment that's entered. And the winner receives a judgment, which is a piece of paper from the court that says that the loser must pay the winner a certain amount of money. Mm-hmm. And so... The way it works here is that our firm handles cases where the loser of the lawsuit 
does not want to pay that judgment. And so how that kind of uh, relates to real estate is part of the mechanisms that we use to enforce that judgment or to get the loser of the lawsuit to pay is to pursue their assets, namely real estate. So if you have an adju- if you have a judgment, small claims court, any any kind of judgment, I can pick up the phone and call you, and you're the guy that can help me get paid. Absolutely. Um, not surprisingly, a majority of people who have judgments against them don't pay for whatever reason. They don't want to. They're unable to. Um, as far as the different types of judgments, whether it's small claims, state court, or federal court, yes, our firm can help you. Uh, enforce those judgments. So somebody has a judgment, they're at the end of a lawsuit, they have a judgment. How, generally, how long does that, I guess the losing party, have, how long do they usually get to pay? Well, there's a short end and a long end. On the short end, um, you have to give them 30 days before you can take any actions to force them to pay. On the long end, a judgment in California is good for 10 years, but it's renewable. So if you were to get a uh, judgment today, 10 years from today, you could renew it. And every 10 years from today, you could renew it. So really, judgments can be enforced for an infinite amount of time. What I've learned in the last uh, four or five years of working with a lot of attorneys is that there's some attorneys that they're they do a little bit of everything, and then there's uh, niche attorneys or niche attorneys right. who are very specialized. And you're a specialist. Your your specialist is not your specialty is not uh, real estate litigation or probate or maybe family law. Your specialty is after all that's done. It sounds like you're the guy that helps make sure that the judgment is. Completely paid. Absolutely. Um, many attorneys are generalists or they, they'll practice in multiple areas. Our firm is dedicated. Probably 90% of our work uh, is judgment enforcement. And the other 10% is on asset location or corporate investigations. But really, those two other uh, areas support judgment enforcement because if the person owes the money, you have to be able to find the assets before you can take the assets. And oftentimes people uh, who have money and have a judgment against them will hide their assets or transfer them to friend, neighbor, employee, somewhere else so they can't be reached or so they think they can't be reached. So we have to be able to find those assets and then um, you know, proceed with the the to enforce that judgment. That's got to be tough. Well, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Mike Bill Real Estate Show we're discussing judgment enforcement with attorney Joseph Chora. This is this is really really interesting. I could uh, imagine this is a bit of like a maybe a cat and mouse game. Absolutely. You know, we we find new and innovative ways to uh, find their assets and take them. And then on the other side of the bench or the other side of the bar, we have asset protection attorneys who specialize in providing barriers to protect people's assets, which is a legitimate um, area of law. The issue comes when once somebody knows that there is a judgment and then they take active steps to remove assets from the creditor's reach, that subjects people to additional liability. 
Yeah, I would imagine so. After the judgment's done, then you start trying to hide things and you start doing asset protection. That's You're not really, it doesn't sound like you're supposed to do it that time. You should have been doing that a long time ago. Right, right. If you're proactively preparing to have your assets protected, again, that's a legitimate um, you know, way to protect your assets and what you worked for your entire life. But if after there's a claim against you, and it's really more of a claim than a lawsuit or a judgment, it's once you know that you have liability and that you're probably going to have to pay someone, at that moment, it's too late to do asset protection. You're kind of in the agreement. You're stuck. You really have to fight it out and and win because if you lose, you're in, you're obligated to pay. And at that point, I mean, it, it's renewable. So it it almost in California, it never stops until until it gets settled. Right, and it'll happen every now and again where the person who has the judgment will not renew it, and it's a pretty um, tough deadline. At ten years in one day, you have no rights. So if you have a $10 million judgment and you do not renew it, 10 years in one day, poof, it's gone. What does that mean to renew it? How do you renew it? Um, it's not a difficult process. Um, you have to take the old judgment, uh, get some court paperwork, and move the court uh, a motion. You can actually do it with a form um, and request the court extend the judgment. You don't have to provide any... Um, argument or anything that would show why you needed to to um, to be extended or renewed you just make the request and almost invariably the court will uh, extend it however the other party does have the opportunity to make an argument that it should not be renewed and then it can become kind of litigious so if you're about to hit that 10-year mark when should you start the process excellent of renewing it excellent question mike you must renew a judgment before the 10-year statute of limitations. However, you can renew a judgment as early as five years after the judgment. So my recommendation is always to renew the judgment after five years. That not, makes sense. And not wait till 10 years because just like anything else, if you wait to the last minute, something's going to come up and then you're going to be up against a hard deadline. Now, when somebody comes calling you, they'll call you and say, we have a judgment against this person. Well, you're you're also a private investigator. So one of your first steps is going to be, obviously, can you collect on this? Can you collect for your client? And you're going to do a search for them. And obviously, you'll be looking for real estate. That's going to be the big one. That's probably going to be the easiest one to look for, I would, I would assume. I don't know. Tell me about those steps. Right. Well, at our firm, there's uh, six attorneys, and three of us are private investigators as well as attorneys. Mm -hmm. uh, we do have uh, additional support staff, and without a doubt, the most important part of the evaluation of whether or not we're going to take a case is whether or not that person has assets. And real estate is one of the big assets that we look for. Um, if it's in their name, it's it rel it's relatively easy to find that information. Uh, becomes a little more difficult if they've transferred it to, again, a friend, a neighbor, um, an employee. We just had one where they transferred it to a long-term employee, hoping to hide the uh, real estate from us. Wow. And then what's the, what are the other uh, types of assets you look for? 
uh, businesses, it's really anything of value. Um, the things that we tend to find in the preliminary search are the things that are easier to find, which would be uh, real estate, uh, businesses. Um, sometimes, sometimes uh, we can look and get uh, good information about liquid uh, assets, cash, bank accounts, brokerage mm-hmm. accounts, things of that sort. Now, how long does this take from the phone call to uh, a, a decision that you guys could say either yes or no? For example, like um, I don't always I don't always take every listing. Sometimes my clients are totally unrealistic, and there's I often tell them I don't have a magic wand. I can only get you market price, but the value that I bring to the table is I'm going to get you. I'll at least get you the price probably a little bit more and I'll get you a nice smooth transaction and your liability will be basically down to zero. You can't ask much more from a realtor, but there are some sellers that, you know, they want, they want something outlandish and it's just, I I can't do that. That's the market is not outlandish. It's, it's, you know, there's relative efficiencies in the market. So I'll have to say, you know, basically I'm not the right realtor for you. Uh, Maybe let somebody else try it at that price You've got the same thing going on, I'm, I'm assuming. Um, how long does that vetting process, I know it's always different, but how long could that be? It usually takes about 10 days, depending on the complexity and the client. Um, our judgments that will come to our office or come across my desk range anywhere between $50,000 to a case that we recently took of $15.7 million. So... The larger cases may have assets in multiple jurisdictions, different uh, states, possibly um, places that can only be reached by a federal or a state institution. Mm -hmm. And so the the enforcement mechanisms are a little bit different. But uh, just like you, Mike, we probably turn away more people than we take. Well, I don't turn away more, most more people. Okay. Most, but, uh, <laughs> okay. Well, we. But do. sometimes just about educating them too. For, on on my part, what you've been listening to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show. We're going to go to a quick break. Come back. We'll be talking to Joseph Chora, a private investigator and an attorney, and we'll be talking about enforcing judgments. Back to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show on TalkZone.com. Here's Mike Bell. Welcome back to the Mike. I'm here with attorney Joseph Chora. It sounds like if you have a judgment and the other party has assets, I'm going to call you. You should call Joseph. So we're talking about judgment enforcement. And what we were talking about in the, the, the first break, I want to continue on with uh, – the, the vetting process and how long it takes and you know, tell tell us a little bit more right. about that. So when we're doing that vetting process, it really is a sliding scale. Um, some of the assets oftentimes can be reached relatively easily, relatively quickly, and relatively inexpensively, typically. However, at sliding scale is there. Be larger assets that may take more time and cost more money. 
So if you have a smaller judgment, say $50,000, it may not be worth it because you might have to spend almost $50,000 to get that $50,000. Mm. So whereas if you have Makes a sense. $2 million judgment, spending $50,000 to get $2 million is a much better proposition. So I, I think it's a good um, uh, segue into it also depends on how the client is paying. If if we don't think it's a good idea because it's $50,000 to get 50000 but the client is willing to pay on an hourly rate, then we'll do that if that's what the client wants, mm-hmm. knowing full well it's going to be an uphill battle to just get to, you know the money that you spent to get that money back. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they're not able to pay that money and they wanted to do what's called a contingency in which a percentage, percentage of the proceeds is paid to the law firm, that's a case that we would not take. Okay. And then is there any other way for them to pay you? Is there a, like a, maybe a flat fee? Right. Um, there's a number of different ways uh, for payment. Uh, lawyers are, are um, lucky in the sense that we can set up a fee structure in many different ways. Um, the flat fee that you just talked about, mm-hmm. we very specifically lay out what uh, enforcement actions we're going to do. Mm-hmm. We set a flat fee. There's an exchange of money, and we provide those services and we return the file once we're done. There's the contingency, which we just talked about, how, say, if it's a $100,000 judgment and we're going to take 33% of net recovery, whatever amount we recover, whether it's 10000 or the full 100 we take our 33% and then we forward the file and the rest of the money to the client. Mm-hmm. Then there's, of course, in which we meet with client on a regular basis, discuss strategies, and then move forward and bill on an hourly rate. I work on contingency. I know that. <laughs> but it's not at 33. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a discount broker. I, I guess. But uh, I, that's interesting. I didn't know that there's those three different ways of getting paid. So really, it depends on the situation, of course. It does. Um, one of the things about the business that I'm in is the um, the speculative nature of it. Sure. Um, we might have a job for $100,000. We might feel that they have seventy-five dollars to $100,000 of assets. However, during the investigation and the enforcement process, something might happen that red this judgment, $10,000, $25,000 when a judgment becomes unenforceable. So when you say unenforceable, does that mean you just can't find anything? Or what does that mean? One of our famous cases that we always point to, uh, we were pursuing um, the ex-husband, and the husband or the ex-husband was a diamond dealer. Mm. And what he did was he liquidated all his assets, turned them into diamonds, put them in his pocket, and hopped on a plane to another country. Wow. What do you do with that? Absolutely nothing. There's not too much you can do. <laughs> no, you're, you're done at that point. Sure. Unless it was a $50 million judgment, maybe, perhaps? Perhaps. Um, enforcement in other countries is a difficult, difficult thing. Um, there are treaties between countries that allow judgments to be taken from one country and to be enforced in another country. But it's a long, difficult, expensive cost. 
and then you would be paying two attorneys. You'd be paying me in California to represent uh, your interests here and the attorney in the other country, which may or may not recognize that judgment, and you may need to initiate an entirely new lawsuit in that other country. Interesting. So you can basically, I don't know what the terminology would it be. Would it be transformed? You can be able to, uh, or, uh, um, yeah, would it be transforming the, uh, uh, that judgment the, into, to, into California law so you can enforce it? Well, there's two ways, right? If you bring in a judgment from another state or from another country to be enforced in California, okay. or if you take a California judgment and you move it to another state or to another country to have it enforced there. And again, these only make sense for the larger judgments. I would say probably a million dollars plus. I would assume that the, the time it takes is just, it takes a lot of time and you've got to jump through a lot of hoops. It, it does. Um, in, in the U.S., to start with the most basic of these uh, examples, if someone were to have a judgment, say, in Nevada, but the assets, maybe the real estate is here in California and they want to take that Nevada judgment and the term is domesticate and they want to domesticate that judgment in California, it's a relatively short and inexpensive process. Um, however, if you want to take that same Nevada judgment and enforce it in, say, Mexico, the cost and the time can triple or you know be as much as 10 times as much just depending on the, the individual facts. Everything in the law is fact-dependent. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show, and we're discussing judgment enforcement with Joseph Chora. One of the questions I had was, California, if you're going after somebody with a judgment to enforce, and they own a home, and there's two kinds of, there's kind of two kinds of homes or properties. There's your primary residence that you live in, and then basically everything else. It, everything else is an investment property, an apartment building, a piece of land, right. a vacation home. If you're going to attach somebody's primary residence, tell me a little bit about some of the, uh, the built-in, in California, some of the built-in uh, safeguards that there, there are. Sure. Um, oftentimes... When we're pursuing someone, we'll find out that they have real estate in their name and they may or may not be living in it. And if they are living in it, there is a possibility that they may qualify for what's called a homestead exemption. When we take someone's house um, to have it sold to pay off that judgment, if they're a single individual, they can safeguard $75,000 of that equity if they're... Right off the top. Right off the top. Okay. Okay. So, so if you sold, if you wound up selling the property, whatever proceeds there are after the loans, pay, their their mortgage is paid, and it, right off, right after that, right off the top, do they th- that equity they get? Right, right. So if there's say three hundred thousand dollars of equity left mm-hmm. on top, and our judgment is for two hundred thousand dollars, they get to keep the first seventy five, and then we would keep the remaining two twenty five. Gotcha. If they were a single individual. Now, if they were a married couple, then that would be $100,000 of homestead exemption equity that they could keep. There's some additional um, categories. I don't want to get too technical, but if you're a married couple over 65, it's $175,000. Or there's, again, some additional uh, special cases, disabilities, 
that are, again, I believe it's $175,000 as well. Now, that doesn't apply to an investment property, anything else. Well, if you'll notice, um, I said that you, if you live in the property, mm-hmm. you may get this homestead exemption. First of all, you have to ask for it. When do you ask for it? During the process of us foreclosing on your home, mm-hmm. there's opportunities and deadlines where you have to respond, um, make claims for exemption, and really make the case that this is a homestead and this money should be protected. Now, there are some things that will prevent you from taking that homestead exemption, even if you live in it and it's your primary residence. For instance, if the uh, property is held in the name of uh, an LLC, which people will often try and do as a kind of homegrown asset protection. I'll put the house in an LLC, so therefore, you know, I'll be protected. That type of a of a situation may prevent you from claiming any exemption at all. And so, even if you're 65 and disabled and would normally be entitled to the $175,000, if you made the mistake to put the house in an LLC, you may not get any exemption. Oh wow. So real estate, well, I guess it really depends. Real estate could be the the largest asset they hold. It, it also could be a number of other things, I can imagine. Bank accounts, of course. Oftentimes, I would say um, real estate is the largest asset that people in general have and in debtors um, that we deal with as well, the, the real estate. I mean, it's a large chunk. Uh, a judgment, when if somebody does have a judgment against them, does it automatically get put on the property as a lien in California? Or is that something that, that's, is that another step that the person should be doing, the winner? Yeah, the, the winner or, or the creditor, um, the mm-hmm. terms that we use is creditor and debtor. Okay. Creditor is the person who is owed the money. Debtor is the person who owes the money. The creditor or the creditor's attorney, it's, again, not a difficult form to complete, um, should, at the end of the lawsuit, immediately file what's called an abstract of judgment. And it's only limited to the county in which you file it. So I believe there's 62 counties in all of California, something around that. You're right. It's 62. Is it? Yes. All right, Mike. Thank you. And so if you wanted to cover the, insti- the entire state of California, you'd have to file an abstract in each county. And so one of the first things that we do when we're investigating someone is to find out where they live, where they've lived, where they have centers of family. Maybe their entire family's from Sacramento, but they currently live in Los Angeles. We'll file an abstract in Sacramento as well as Los Angeles because those abstracts will attra- attach to any real, real um, interest. So if their mother or father were to pass away, and bequeath that property to the daughter in Sacramento, our abstract was already down. As soon as the transfer takes place, that lien is attached to the property. Wow. So I can understand why you're a private investigator at the same time. Right. Uh, Again, finding the assets is 90% of the work that needs to be done. Wow. So... How's business? Boom. <laughs> I would I would imagine that you've, you're always busy. Yes, yes. Um, it's an unfortunate state of affairs that people owe money, don't pay it. And so sometimes somebody needs to get in there and make sure that they pay it, and that's what we do. So 
there's six attorneys in your law firm. Yes. And you're in Pasadena. Right. And you've, I don't know how long, you've been doing this for a long time. Mm-hmm. I want to give uh, everybody another opportunity to write down your name, your phone number, and your website. Sure. Again, my name is Joseph Chora, J-O-S-E-P-H, last name C-H-O-R-A, and we are in Pasadena. Uh, the phone number that we can be reached at is area code 626-744-1838. And again, that's area code 626-744-1838. And we are the law office of Paul Young. Great. Well, if you're listening, um, you're listening to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show here. We're talking to Joseph Chora, private investigator, attorney, and we're talking about judgment enforcement. And we're going to go to a quick break and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show. Let's get back to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show on TalkZone.com. Here's Mike Bell. Welcome back to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show. We're here with Joseph Chora, a private investigator and attorney, and we're talking about judgment enforcement. Here's my number. Save it in your contacts, 888-401-1555. Again, that's 888-401-1555. One five five five. That's my personal cell phone number. And if you're the type of person that values expert advice, then you need to stay tuned in. And uh, by the way, at the end of our show, if you wait about 20 minutes, you'll be able to stream the show. You'll also be able to find it on iTunes. And you can even share a link with someone you care about if uh, they're in this type of situation. So we're at the point of our show where we do, we, we go through listener emails and we've got a few emails and let me see if we can give you some doozies. Do you want a doozy? Yeah, challenge me, Mike. Um, this is, we have seven of them. Oh, this is a good one. Uh, what if the debtor goes into bankruptcy? Not surprising. Um, when we start to apply pressure on these individuals and let me just take a moment to say that the people who we pursue mm-hmm. are not uh, everyday kind of run-of-the-mill, I have a nine-to-five job and I'm barely making my my payments kind of people. Typically, the average profile of the person that we pursue is a person who is a person of wealth and means, typically a, a millionaire or a multimillionaire who has a lawsuit against them, who's had their day in court, who has the money and the ability to pay the money, but for whatever reason, they just decide that they don't want to. They think they're above the law. They think that because they have money, they don't have to pay. Or because the person who they owe the money to is somebody not of power, not of means, kind of an everyday Joe, that they can just disregard the law and not pay. So these people that we're pursuing will oftentimes seek bankruptcy protection. And this is something that we know and that we expect. And so there are certain mechanisms in the law that we can set in place that will make bankruptcy an unpleasant place for them and still works to our advantage to um, get that judgment satisfied and to take back money outside of the bankruptcy estate to get that judgment satisfied. What little I know or 
what I do know about bankruptcy, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty fascinating. It, it has its own code and obviously, um, and then there's obviously, a, there's a trustee that's involved. So, and you can talk to a judge and, you know, you get your, your opportunity. Everybody gets their opportunity in bankruptcy court to be able to, um, pursue their rights, whatever, if you're, if you're owed something that's. Right. And, and bankruptcy for the, the everyday Joe is mm-hmm. a place of protection. Sure. They, they have too much debt. They want a fresh start. And so that's what bankruptcy is made for. These individuals of wealth and means who go into bankruptcy to avoid paying a judgment, it becomes pretty obvious that our federal sure. judges in bankruptcy are sharp guys, and they recognized it right away. And with a creditor like ourselves, who knows the system, who has put uh, motions in place prior to bankruptcy bankruptcy to prepare for that and to be ready for it, we can really make it a place where your judgment can still be satisfied. When an individual goes to bankruptcy court, they're asking the court for something. They're asking for protection. They're asking for relief. And so the bankruptcy court asks for things back from them. And that's really where it turns around on these individuals. So the phone calls that you get, I if you hire a regular attorney, hire an attorney to pursue something for you and you wind up winning and now you have a judgment, oftentimes I would assume that attorney that helped you through that is not going to be able to very effectively um, enforce that judgment. That's not usually their specialty. This is your specialty. So do you have attorneys call you? I do. And um when I'm talking to an attorney, to attorneys who don't practice in this area or don't have any don't have any knowledge in this area, one of the first things I'll tell them is when a client comes to you and wants to talk about suing somebody, the very first thing you should do is find out whether or not that person has the money to pursue. Because oftentimes we'll get someone who says, I have a judgment. Can you enforce it? And we'll pull the profile and do an asset investigation. Sure. And they don't have any money. And so this person spent two years and $150,000 suing this person, and they didn't have any money. And they don't have any money now. And so we got to just kind of tell them the truth that there's nothing here for you. That money that you spent, it's all gone. and There's no way to get it back. That's tough. It is. It's a little bit down the lines like what I do in, in real estate, too, is... I, I tend to be the second realtor that they hire. Mm. The first guy couldn't get it done. And oftentimes it's just because the first guy, they don't really sell that much real estate and they don't have the money to invest in all the things that you're supposed to do to properly price and position and promote a property. And they won't hire a professional photographer. They won't have a layout. They won't do, they won't spend the money on all the portals that you're supposed to spend the money on. And then, they wonder why they can't get any good offers or any offers at all. It's, you know, it's, it's the same thing. You've, you, you need to put money, you need to, to for, for, in my part, in, in my part, my realm of the world, it's a little, I know it's different than yours, but. Um, Did you say that you're a specialist too, Mike? I've been accused of that. So now we're going to talk a little bit about, well, actually we have another question here. This is a great question. I am worried about enforcing this judgment. The debtor may come after me. What should I do? Believe it or not, Mike, this is a situation that we run into more often than you would expect. Uh, typically in this situation, we have a person of 
non-wealth and means or not a lot of power, mm-hmm. and they have a judgment against somebody who's typically a figurehead in the community, somebody of wealth and means, somebody with power and influence in the community. And so they're concerned that if they bring these vehicles, uh, seize businesses, um, these aggressive tactics to enforce the judgment, that there's going to be some kind of repercussions against them, whether it's physical violence or defaming their name in the community or um, loss of business because the powerful person who is in that same community will say, you know what, don't do business with this person because they're untrustworthy, when actually it was them who was untrustworthy to begin with, and that's why there's a judgment against them. Mm -hmm. And so in order for us to deal with that, what we do is we become the buffer. Um, The law firm. The law firm. The law firm will Mm -hmm. uh, enter into an agreement with the original creditor where we take possession of the, the judgment or assignment of the judgment so that individual person no longer has any control of how the in judgment the enforcement process goes the only right that they retain is the right to receive money and so when we deal with this powerful individual we tell them right up front that the original creditor is no longer involved that if they want to settle if they want to make a deal if they want to do something then they need to speak with us and we really try and put ourselves in the middle so that that original judgment creditor doesn't have that concern that they're going to receive some negative impact from the debtor. I would think that that comes in very handy. I, I, I have never been through any of this, but if I did have a judgment against somebody and I wanted to, it, it to be enforced, I would, I'd, I'd, I may feel those, those, those issues that maybe I could get harmed or I don't know. But it would be nice to be to know that that, that is available to me. Right. Um, That's a great option, I think. That's a great option. Right. Attorneys in general provide that buffer. And in a, in litigation of any sort, it can be very stressful on, on the people. Sure. And so one of those services that we offer is to give them kind of a backseat. All you, all you have to worry about is collecting the money. We'll deal with all the heat, all the headache, all the negativity that's going to come from the other party. Now, in terms of getting money, the money, how once you get, the, I mean, there's, I'm, I'm assuming there's ways of structuring it. Does everybody just, if they're going to settle, did they just write you a flat check, or did they spread it out over ten years? Or tell us a little bit about sure. what what can be expected. Well, when we get to the end of a case, um, we can structure the settlement any way we want. There's no court involved. There's no oversight. Oh. It's a meeting of minds between two people to reach a resolution. And so with a, a property or, or a piece of real estate that we're foreclosing on, it typically takes about a year. So anytime during that process, um, the owner or the occupying party can give us a call and we can work out a deal and we can stop all the enforcement actions against seizing the vehicles, putting a lien on the business or on the home, um, and come to an agreement that's going to be satisfying for all parties. Great. Uh, well, you're listening to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show. This has been great, Joseph. And we're going to be right back, and we're going to be talking about – I'd like to actually jump back into the international realm when we come back from our break. So stay tuned. You're listening to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show, and we'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show on TalkZone.com. Here's Mike Bell. Welcome back to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show. We're here with Joseph Chora, a private investigator and attorney in Pasadena, and we're talking about judgment enforcement. And I can be reached through my show site, the Mike Bell Real Estate Show.com. Let's get back into this great talk. Uh, we want to talk about uh, international uh, judgments. You know what, Mike? Uh, I saw something in your office here that um, you have an international award. Gotta, Is that right? It's um, <laughs> I know. My wife just brought it into the studio. International category audio radio program. Thank you for the plug. <laughs> oh, I mean, you're a great guy, but I'm just platinum winner. How does this work? I mean, international. I don't know. My wife submitted it. It's uh, in some French. I think it's French. I don't know. What does that say there? Hermes Creative Awards. It's a nice trophy. I like it. I like it. It looks like a, it, if there's a guy with his hand up in the air. He has wings. It looks like he's uh, going to uh, paint a ceiling. I don't know. And that was for this for this radio show? Uh, for the radio show. I feel honored. Well, hey, maybe next year we'll get something better. Than, what is better than platinum, though? I don't know. Diamond, probably. Diamond? I don't know. I don't know if they're going to make one with diamonds. <laughs> so, all right, let's talk about international um, uh, judgments. That's what it, that, was, that was very intriguing. Yes. Uh, international judgments is something that we do here. Um, and let me make the distinction. There are two types of of international judgments. There are inter- international judgments that are completed or entered by an international court, and then there are uh, international arbitration awards, uh, which are not entered by any individual court. Just to give you a quick mm-hmm. idea, um, arbitration is an alternative dispute resolution uh, option in which both parties agree on which law will apply and then an arbitrator, which is not a judge, or maybe a retired judge, but it's he's not a judge employed by the state, um, will hear arguments, apply rules of law, and then determine who is the winner and who is the loser. And unlike in a court, there is not a judgment. There is what is called uh, an arbitration award. Mm-hmm. And unlike judgments, which typically last 10 years in California, less in some states, um, federal court is also 10 years. An international judgment award only lasts for three years. And so that it really narrows your opportunity to enforce that arbitration award. Can it be renewed? It cannot be renewed. But what can happen is it can be transformed into um, a U.S. judgment. It can actually be enforced in 140 different company, uh, countries. So it makes the enforcement much easier. I spoke earlier about how when you take a judgment from the U.S. or from California and you want to enforce it, say, in Mexico, mm-hmm. you may need to start an entire new trial in that country. With an international arbitration award, you don't need to do that. There's already a treaty that says if you have uh, an arbitration award under this New York Convention, which is the most popular um, governing body, that you can easily port that award to any one of these 140 different com- uh, countries. But again, you only have three years. And within those three years, you have to transform it into a federal judgment or a state judgment. And that's what we do. You transform those. Yes, I have a magic wand also, Mike. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, um, it's wow. again, a, 
a relatively um, straightforward process unless the other side um, decides to to fight it. Is there a um, set of rules, international rules, or is it by government by government? How does how do you get cooperation? How do you know? There's, I'm, I'm assuming things change all the time, too. Yes. Um, I would say there's probably seven, like the big seven, um, international arbitration organizations. Mm-hmm. And some of them are collaborative and some of them uh, compete. But ultimately, there's a, an idea in business that one country will not want to do business in another country unless there's a remedy unless they know that if something goes wrong, they can get their money. Makes sense. That's just the, the basic business concept. And so the current system where you get a judgment in China and then try and enforce that in California doesn't work so well because typically you need to file another lawsuit. So the business community, the global business community, is moving toward this international arbitration so that that judgment in whatever country that it it takes place in can easily be enforced somewhere else. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show. We're here with Joseph Chora, a private investigator and an attorney. And we're in our last segment. I'd like you to give your information, your contact information out, because if you have a judgment against somebody and you'd like to get paid and the other side has assets, they should be calling a specialist and they should be calling you. Go ahead. Definitely. Uh, my name is Joseph Chora, J-O-S-E-P-H, last name C-H-O-R-A. And um, I'm in Pasadena, California, and I can be reached at area code 626-744-1838. Again, that's 626-744-1838. And it's the law office of Paul Young. Great. Now, um, let me see here, my notes here, sorry. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> we took a few weeks off, so I'm a little rusty. Where do you see this going? How do you see your industry changing? Well, you know what, our industry is a very niche industry, sure. like, like you mentioned. Uh, there are not very many attorneys who do this full-time. The majority of attorneys will have a multi-area practice where they'll do contract law, immigration law, and say, family law. Sure. And very few attorneys will do the finishing part where they have to enforce the judgment. And even those that do, it's part of an overall package where they do other things and enforcement. What we want to do in our firm is really become the industry leaders. Um, you know, we're here on the Mike Bell show. So uh, that the Mike Bell real estate show. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> so um, we're uh, hiring more attorneys again, mm-hmm. we have more work than we can handle, and so we're growing our staff. Um, we're really pushing to be the industry leader. Real quick, at the top of your head, what are the best things? What are the smartest things that you can do uh, on either side of this situation if you're in this situation? Sure. Um, if you have a judgment against someone, let's start with the creditor. Um, Again, from the very beginning of the the lawsuit, you want to think about why are you suing somebody? Um, do you want that satisfaction of being proven right? Or do you want that money for however you were injured, whether you were physically injured or was a breach of contract or you're getting divorced? 
you want to make sure that that person has the money that you can reach and that you can get paid. Sure. That's the most important thing. And if it's a decent amount of money, I would say over $50,000, I would contact an attorney, whether it's me or someone else, who understands how the judgment enforcement process works because it can become complicated. This has been fascinating. Thank you so much, Joseph. This has been excellent. I, I really appreciate you coming out with your busy schedule and your court. I know you were in court yesterday, and we had we wound up talking in between court sessions right. about our outline and how we were going to do all this. I'd like to thank Dave in Chicago for producing my great show today. I'd like to thank Daniel Estrada, my board operator and my show coordinator. Great job. Daniel, you didn't even get a chance to talk. Say hello. You're here. Hey there. All right, that's it for today. This is Mike Bell, and remember to call me, 888-401-1555. Again, that's 888-401-1555. And you can email me at mikebell at kw.com. Again, mikebell at kw.com. Joseph, thank you for showing up. Thank you. This is great. Joseph Chora, private investigator and attorney, and this is fantastic. And we'll talk to you guys next week. The opinions expressed in the Mike Bell Real Estate Show are solely those of the hosts and do not reflect the opinions of anyone at TalkZone.com, Keller Williams Realty, any board of realtors, or anyone for that matter. Always hire a real estate attorney when making real estate decisions. Do not try any of this at home.